The following episode of Tofop is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. Tofop advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Pop, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Uh, I did relax because I panicked for a second. This was two guys, one cup, and I would have to know what the date is. Uh, but it is not. It is Tofop, and you are in charge, Charlie. You I'm, are the pilot. I'm driving. I, in fact, I like it more like this. I'm. I'm I regret. Uh, for those who don't listen to our AFL podcast, Two Guys, One Cup, uh, I do the intros on that podcast, and I think it was only really because Charlie did the intros on this podcast, and we thought, you know, we'll swap it around. Yeah. And I do not like it. No. I do not like the pressure. Yeah. Um, I fuck the, it up quite a lot of the time. If you go to the Tofop YouTube page, and yes, we have a Tofop YouTube page with about four videos on it. But I mean, that's one, a surprise even to me. <laughs> there's a compilation of you stuffing up the intro a number of times. Yeah, I don't like the pressure. I don't like the intro. It's too long. I put too much stuff into it. I tell you what the date is. That's unnecessary. I don't yeah. even know why I included I know, that. Considering that the, the podcast normally goes up two days after you say the date. Well, that's actually, I think, why I originally said the date. So that it wouldn't feel like our football views were out of date, even yeah, though right. they are mostly stuck in the late 1980s. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that... Um, I think the idea was that it would place it in a sort of time and space so that if the football news moved on, it wouldn't be like we were ignorant. Yeah. Like, for example, one week we talked uh, barely about some racism uh, in the AFL that had happened because it was only a tiny story at the time. But during that day, while the podcast was being posted, it became quite a big story. Yeah. And it would have seemed like we had just flippantly yeah. <laughs> moved past what was the major sort of story of the day. Well, saying the date is essentially the hostage photograph, isn't right. it? You're holding up the newspaper to say, this is legit. Yeah, this is today. And you can't yeah. hold up a newspaper paper anymore because they're not going to exist soon well we did that for the first five episodes yeah <laughs> we and then like, newspapers went out of business yeah. they were replaced by podcasts so i guess we were authors of our own destruction <laughs> here's what i will ask you we don't uh, right. often talk about your day job on this podcast i think just mostly out of professional courtesy you know it's a family show and mm. and this is not necessarily always a family show so uh but i, I would love that if you know like in the old days of pre-television when the families would gather around the wireless I would love it if there was a family out there that listened to Tofop. Like, kids, kids, it's uh, Sunday night. Gather around the <laughs> podcast machine. <laughs> Gather around the iPhone. Right. No, but they've got a wind-up one. Oh, they, right, they've yeah. converted. A like, crystal set. Yeah, it goes back onto the crystal set. Yeah. They've found a way. They're such hipsters, hipsters yeah. that they have found a way to get podcasts through a crystal set. Um, he, here's what I was going to say to you was, uh, firstly, uh, you're an actor on a very popular Australian television series called Home and Away. Australia's what longest running? Is it longest running or is Neighbours longer running? I it's very neighbors, long running. Neighbours would have to be longer. Running. How long has Home and Away been going for though? I think it's uh, 28 years, 29 years, almost 30 years. Right. So like a long time anyway. Yeah. Very successful uh, four nights a week uh, television show, right? Yeah. Was it always four nights? Did it it's you five. Used to be five? It but you five. do a double episode on a Thursday, right? Well, there's a guy who works in TV, yeah. familiar with the idea of a double episode. Right. So, okay, here's, uh, here's the thing that I would say to you is uh, it's not really pitched at, at me. 
No. And I guess that's why in the entire time you've been doing this. Because here's the thing that actors from TV shows do. Publicity, right? Yeah. You do the publicity rounds. You go into a radio station. You do a TV week interview because you're promoting Home and Away. Because mm. that television show wants people to know that it's on and you're a part of it. And people who, like you, might come and watch it. It's interesting in the entire time you've been doing this podcast, they've not once asked you to mention your show on this podcast. <laughs> Clearly, they're fine without our audience. In fact, it's almost the opposite. I'd isn't say it? the message is actually the opposite. We're fine. Please do hey, not Charlie, mention. We're fine. Please do not bring it up. We don't want any of your your crew yeah. coming in to our lovely, clean family yeah, they're audience. They're having a dinner party. Yeah. You're going to invite your yobbo mates around to yeah. come in and bloody kick shit over. We don't want your bong smoking podcast <laughs> listening mates to ruin our dinner party, our family dinner party. So anyway, so I don't want to uh, bog down into your work world uh, too much, but yep. uh, this week on the television, I have been seeing a quite <laughs> dramatic promo that yeah. features you. Yeah. Can you talk people through? Have you seen the promo? Have you been getting some feedback about this promo? Well, the one thing I will say is, because uh, I've been out of the country for a while, I came back into Australia at the zenith of what was a, a, a fairly kind of contentious storyline in which my character, Zach, cheated on his wife. Now, so here's what I'm going to ask you firstly. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's any secret that Home and Away is not live, right? Like, I mean, it, and people understand how television works, yeah. that often you're, you're filming stuff that will go on the television, you know, months in advance, or sometimes normally if you're doing... Five, five months. And normally head. if you're doing like a, a movie or something, it could be like years, years. Yeah. in advance. So people are familiar with that. So I don't think we're giving away any trade secrets of Home and Away mm -hmm. to say that... You know, this has already happened, in, at least in your life, and we're not going to give any spoilers away, obviously, but mm. can you take us up to date with where you are now? Like, can you give us a bit of a backstory on, like, Zach, your character? Like, what was he doing? Who was he married to? Like, just give us a bit of, like, you know, previously on Zach. If this was, like, the start of the episode and you were going to be the feature character on it, what would be all the highlight things that they would show in that, like, your highlight that kind of painted the picture of you? Of the the character's entire journey over the show or just the more recent history? Probably uh, the more recent history, I guess, right? like, you know, well, basically what they do on those episodics, right, is they, they'll do some recap that yeah. gives you all the important beats that okay. you'll need to know yeah. to understand the storyline that's happening now, right? Okay. so I'd say the latest recap would be that Zach who cheated on his wife the day that his stepson's wife died. Hang on, what? So, oh, he, so out of some, like, was he so distraught? Yeah, so it was a build-up of pressure yeah. where, uh, you know, the, the, there's his stepson, so his wife's son had just gotten married, right. and then the day after the marriage, the girl was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, so no. she was very ill, and yeah. they had a child together. She had a child before they got married. child out of wedlock. Yeah. An accidental child you might say right so uh amongst the pressure uh, uh zach's wife went to her son to offer support yeah and so zach also said to his wife well look i'm here to support you but she was so concerned about her son she actually froze him out and despite despite repeated appeals and attempts to kind of like offer his support he didn't get that from his wife right. so he because she was going through quite a traumatic moment, she was going I through imagine. exactly yep. exactly what she failed to remember was only a year before, Zach had lost his nephew and his sister-in-law in an explosion. Oh. And so... I mean, the, how, so how could she not remember that? Did she not see the series of promos for that? Doesn't she watch TV? I think she was so concerned for her son, she forgot that. So yep. Zach was seeking comfort himself. Yeah, of course he was. But couldn't get it because his wife was so 
uh, focused on her son. Yeah. At the time, Zach had taken uh, uh, some time out to be a writer. He was a high school teacher, but he always felt he could be a writer. Okay. And so he started... I feel like that's where it went wrong. So he sent its mission script. <laughs> what sort of stuff was he writing? Uh, fiction. So he sent... It'd be great if he wanted to be a writer for Home and Away. He was writing future episodes of Home and Away. <laughs> Very meta. He's like, here's one where I cheat on my wife when her son's wife has died. And the universe implodes on itself. <laughs> uh, no, he's writing a novel. He uh, sent a manuscript off, uh, got interest from a publisher and started working one-on-one with a female publisher. Ah, uh, right. Now, firstly, let's just back back a second because I, I like where this storyline is going. But mm. um, wouldn't it be great if, say, for example... The, the yeah the powers that be that channel, at Channel Seven are like, hey guys, um, it's been a great run and we've really loved it. But um, uh, you're coming up to season thirty, and we think season thirty would be a great way for the show to say goodbye to its fans. So you've got two years left. Uh, do whatever storylines you want to do in the meantime. But but that's where we're going to finish. We're going to finish it off at yeah. season thirty. And they just decide to like chances style, just yeah. go fucking crazy. Yeah, and it starts with your character becoming this kind of meta sort of, you know, like narrator character of what happened afterwards. And you don't know whether it's real things that are happening in Home and Away or whether it's his like fantasy about like future episodes of Home and Away that he's written. Well, you've brought us to a perfect point because this week Zach fell off a roof and uh, almost died because he hit his head, went into a coma. Uh Post or pre-cheating on his wife? Post-cheating on his wife. In an attempt to win his wife back, he got very drunk. And climbed onto the roof of their house and then fell. <laughs> no, I mean, it didn't seem like a foolproof plan, no, but... <laughs> no. But this would be a great point for him to come out of the coma. Right. And you don't And then know. his writing career takes off. Right. And then he starts writing for Home and Away. And yep. he's like, wait a minute, am I creating these events or... And then you cut to him as a vegetable in the hospital bed in the very last episode of season 30. Yeah, the last two seasons of basically in his head post-coma. Fuck, that's interesting. And you don't know whether the whole time he's been home... Well, the, or away. <laughs> you could pitch that. Like, I've actually sat in on the, the writer's room there just to see, because, you know, I'm a writer, and yeah. I'm just curious to see how they made this show. And i got to say, like, because the show does cop a lot of... Do you think, by the way, that when you're sitting in on the writer's room, they are biting their tongue oh, 100%. about what they normally say about the actors? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I know that for a fact. But it was interesting for me to see, because... But what people don't understand about that show is they pump out 46 weeks a year, five episodes a week. Yeah, so that's it's a like lot a of fe- content. It's a feature film every year. So yeah. you go into the writer's room and they will have a white... I've been doing my television show for a decade. We have not done 100 episodes yet. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast for seven years. We have the one set. We have more sets for this podcast than I have for my TV show and we have managed 100 <laughs> All right, yeah. So they do it. It's a lot of content, and they have, and they've been doing this yeah. like for nearly thirty years. So I went into this plotting meeting, which was happens on a Monday, where basically they uh, working about three months in advance of what actually gets shot. So they will plot out their ideas um, that'll be summed up into a beat sheet. That'll be sent out to a writer. They have like a, a staff of sort of freelance writers. That writer has, I think, like a month to do a first draft, and then it comes back to the studio and the writing department and it gets edited and, you know, rehearsed and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so I sat in on this meeting and there's like, you know, the five episodes divided up on the whiteboard. And then there's a list of all the characters and all the locations and then re- the restrictions on both because... Now, here's what I was going to say about that is, uh, do the, how, how far ahead do the actors know about where their character's going? So is this information as you would ordinarily you know? know? About, you can, yeah, so it's not, but there might be some people that you've got inside information after you've been in that meeting. 
Like you'd be able to whisper mid-scene, you're about to die. <laughs> right? I think big stuff like that, they'll yeah. tell you as okay. soon as it's conceived yeah. of. Because it's a nasty shock to yeah. get. Like I did work with How, how soon did you know you were going to cheat on your wife? Um, Pretty early. I yeah. actually think when, uh, yeah, no, I think pretty early because they knew that they wanted to do something. Um, they knew they wanted to do something dramatic, but they didn't want to kill me. And when you're an actor who like, uh, particularly in a show like that, right? Yeah. Where people sometimes not have difficulty, but like people, you know, because of the, f- the fact that these people are in their homes five nights a week, you know, um, they see the people on TV as actually the real people in some ways, yeah. if you know what I mean. And like, you know, when some people see you sometimes, I'm sure like, you know, to some of you, yeah, the people who know you, you're Zach yeah. rather than Charlie, 100%. right? And so when you know that your character is going to do something unpopular like that, that's going to make you a villain, is that something that you're excited about as an actor or is that something that you go, ah, oh, fuck. Oh, I used to like going to the shops and now people are going to scowl at me and I won't know why. And then I realize it's because of fucking Zach. I've had a lot of strangers uh, give me lectures on fidelity and how to... Have you you seriously? Yeah, yeah. Like my first... I flew back from LA uh, to Melbourne for the live toe fop. And yeah, got a lot of advice from complete strangers. I went to the football and I had... Um, cause the Saints beat the pies and I had a pie supporter come up to me after the game as I was walking out. And I think maybe he was just feeling a bit frustrated about the loss, but then he basically told me how I needed to t- treat my, treat my wife better. And I was getting what I deserved. <laughs> I mean, he was doing it in a kind of, it was an oddly passive aggressive kind of way. Like we we're walking and just chatting as yeah. if we're having, we're talking, you know, about nice things, but he was lecturing me. Well, not even me, lecturing my character. Not how to treat his wife. Can you right. pass on to Zach? I know you're not Zach, but can you pass on to Zach that he's not treating his woman good? <laughs> uh, well, uh, okay. So when you're sitting in a writer's meeting like that, yeah. Um, do they have... Okay, so you've only got certain locations and okay, certain... Well, that's a, that's, yeah. that's a thing, right? So you'll have a list of the entire cast and every actor's on a different contract. So their availabilities, how often you can use them, very specific. And you've got 25 or, you know, 20 to 25 of those. Then you've got like six primary locations, which are available on certain days and not available on other days. And, you know, like you've got to work around, you know, like if it's the surf club, you've got an actual surf club there and they need to do this. You can't be shooting there every day of the week or whenever you want. So you've got all those restrictions. Then you have to come up with five like episodes, like an idea for uh, five episodes, which carry on from current storylines, which can't be too close to other ideas from a show that's been on air for almost 30 years. So it's hugely fucking challenging. And I remember sitting on this plotting meeting and at the time it was about a character going on his Bucks weekend. Like, okay, so we know we want this to happen in episodes one and two is it's these characters go away for his Bucks weekend. You know, what could happen on this Bucks weekend? And so... Everyone's like, like throwing out ideas. And I, I just sort of chimed in and said, okay, well, because, you know, they're all tough guy characters who are going this Bucks weekend. I said, what if one of their brothers organizes the Bucks weekend and they think it's, you know, really cool on this big Bucks weekend with strippers and drinking and stuff, but he takes them on a totally, like, metrosexual one where they go to, like, a parlor and they all get, like, facials right. and saunas and stuff and, like, their brothers are all, like, moaning and stuff because, like, where's the booze, where's the strippers? And they're like... Great, awesome, boom. And it was on the board. And I was like, wait, that, that was my first idea. Like, right. they, don't, they don't need to workshop. They're like, hey, we're making five episodes a week, mate. We don't have time for second ideas. Yeah, exactly. If you've got a good first one, like we're not saying if the first one's terrible, we won't go for a second one. But if you come up with the first one that we're all happy with, 
We don't need to come up with a second one, mate. You know when you can come up with a second one? Next week. Yeah. When we have to fill that fucking empty hole. That's when your second one can come along, mate. But it's fucking... It, like, it is hugely challenging to see how they string all this stuff together because when you've got 25 characters, if you're going to do a storyline about... Like, uh, you know, like a, a, a character becomes an alcoholic or a drug addict, which, you know, happens too quickly on a show like that. Then you've got to space them out. Like, you can't have it happening at the same time. Like, because it's essentially the same issue. The themes and, you know, the, the lessons you're going to get into are, are the same. So it's a really limited pool to draw from. And that was one of the things I was actually most impressed with was because they write... Four weeks is actually quite, uh, you know, a long time to write a first draft of a script. But from that point on, it gets very, like, you know... They make changes on the fly and stuff. But that's why they bring in the actors and the directors at an early point where you can sit down and, you know, rehearse those scripts or read through them at least. And then you'll have all your input. And so it actually becomes quite collaborative. Like I thought before I started that, well, you know, it's this big, well-oiled machine. I've just got to come in and, you know, just... Play your role. Yeah, just play my role. But they actually welcome and encourage kind of collaboration. And it's one of the things I like most... What I like most about it is... Uh, getting all those people together and it's almost like doing like co-op theater or something, you know, where it's like, shit, you know, we've got two weeks to get this into shape. So, you know, how can I help and how can you help? And yeah. all that stuff goes. My dad's got a surf club. Yeah. Oh, my dad's got a school. Exactly. We can put on a show. I did try and get you on an episode because we talked um, once about like, oh, my character's getting married. Maybe you should come and just be in my Bucks party. Oh, the Bucks party, yeah. And we'll just have you like unexplained. I, I get, well, even in your scenario, if it had been your character's Bucks party, I could have even had the facial stuff on. I wouldn't have had to be like even fully recognizable. I could have like cucumber on my eyes and like you know, <laughs> yeah, avocado totally. on my face, but that's my cameo. Just <laughs> laying there, maybe say, say one thing to you. Yeah, but my character never got a Bucks party because he's a loser and had no friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he had one friend, this publisher lady. <laughs> yeah. Up for some sympathy sex. Yeah, yeah. So that's... All right. Uh, he's, you're pretty good at learning lines, right? Yeah. Like if you get a script, how how far in advance do you get scripts for something like Home and Away? Well, you get your, you'd get your episode, like the first... You get the, the first script probably... Oh, God, I think it's like two or three weeks before you actually have to do it. And then you have a... Just the week before you shoot it, you'll have a rehearsal where you sit down and read through it. You make, you know, a director and the cast will make notes and changes, goes back to the writers, you come back with, you know, amendments. So I would say, though, that most actors don't, it's not like you're spending that two weeks learning it. You will look at it the weekend before you start shooting because there's generally so much stuff. You can't, you can't hold on to all that and the stuff you're shooting at the time. Yeah, and, and also the other thing is that I imagine with a show like that, a lot of you know, and I mean this in the right sort of way, but a lot of it's storytelling, right? Yeah. So essentially, it's not so much about your line read or like, you know, the, the you know, pregnant pause you put there. Although there is obviously room for that within the show as well. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's... Taking off the sunglasses. Four of you are just progressing the story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like four... Oh, here, yeah. here is the thing that we have to tell people and four of you each have a line that gets that, like, it gets that across to people, you right? Can, you can always tell a script and it's not just Home and Away, it's other scripts. No, oh, a, a, a lot well. of regular procedural TV. Yeah. It, well, when I, but just to read them as an actor, when you, you can always tell a scene that's like classic exposition because if there's two characters and one character is only asking questions, right. you're like, <laughs> the writer was really fucking running out of time and just had to get this information out. Like even when I write stuff myself, I have to be really, I try and be really aware of when I'm just doing question and answer because that's not how conversations work. 
Like, I know, I mean, even though you are asking me questions, you're also offering your point of view. You're telling me analogies in order to like, you know, empathize with what I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you've got four weeks to write a script, you can't do that. No, no, sometimes you just got to say, but also from the audience's point of view, sometimes if you can't come up with a clever way to tell people what's going on, just tell them what's going on. Well, sometimes when you're watching something, you go, hang on. Like, cause the thing that you, like we all think as like artists or whatever is that, you know, everyone's sitting down paying full attention to what we're doing, but even two really great things, mm. that's often not the case. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I rewatched the first two episodes of Fargo season three, uh, the other day even though I watched both of them in bed the other night, because I knew that I was kind of dozing in and out. And, oh my God, Charlie, if I had just decided I could have watched episode three after what I thought I'd watched in bed, I didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. But once I rewatched it, I was like, oh no, no, no. All that stuff was in there. I was just like sleeping through it. Something like Home and Away is on... Often, I imagine when people are preparing dinner or sitting down to dinner or like it's family time, those sort of things. So it can't be like, you can't be too obscure about what's fucking going on. You've got to like be telling people what is going on. And I think they've actually, to use a a word that you love, I think they've actually done metrics on that. Because when I first started, I had issues with like, why like every two scenes or every three scenes am I restating my point of view, my objective? You know, it seems odd that my character will walk in and just remind everyone about why I'm here. And the, one of the um, people working on the show said, oh, yeah, but they've actually done market research on that. And it's exactly that thing. It's on at 7 o'clock at night. So most, it's a family show. Most families are having dinner or kids are getting put to bed or mum's, you know, washing up or dad's washing up. Or, or even by the fact that you're a family, there are people at various levels of their comprehension. Oh, comprehension yeah. So they need reminding. But I think it is also that thing of, I mean, I'm sure some people sit down and really concentrate on Home and Away like it's Westworld. Yeah. But I would say most people, it's like comfort food. It's like you have it on, you know, you can tune in when you want to tune in. You can tune out when your characters that you like aren't on. Generally, that's me. <laughs> your tune out time. Yeah. Oh, Charlie's on. I can put the peas on. Well, occasionally, <laughs> occasionally, like... That's what they've actually done, the metrics. Like, they're like, we actually need a few characters so mum can get tea on. <laughs> so, well, there's... The, like, on Instagram... There's a lot of Home and Away fans on Instagram and I'll get tagged into stuff. Not necessarily they're sending it to me, but I'm, I'm tagged into uh-huh. it. And often it'll be like a checkerboard with all like the male characters' heads on it. And they're like, rank who's your favorite and who's your least favorite? And there's been a few times I'm like, I shouldn't. Oh, I'm just going to look. Don't and look. every fucking every time, time, I'm like, least favorite. Least favorite. Well, I feel like you're, that's your character though, right? Because your character's never been particularly he's not sympathetic, cool or sexy. has he? Well, no, he's sympathetic, but he's not cool or sexy. Right. My character is the... Uh, he is uh, like... Uh, uh, we talked about Paul Rudd on Two Guys One yeah. Cup. My, I'm the Paul Rudd of Home of Home and Away. Like, my character is not the cool bad boy. No. He's not the sexy young, you know, high school kid or whatever. He's the dad. Like, right. And the teacher. Like, the voice of reason is the everyman, you know? So that's kind of... that was the, That's the actual challenge is... When they write a new character in, they decide they want this character, but like the way they write an episode, they just pull stuff together. We want this character to be this, and generally it's to serve a function, you know? Like, it's like we need another bad boy, or we need another authority figure, or whatever. So when you start, there's very... You don't have much to go on. There's very, like, thinly drawn lines about who this character is. You're an authority figure of some kind. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so what you have to do... They kind of rely on it. It's an unspoken thing. It's like, we want you as the actor to come in and start like filling in the blanks, coloring it in. So for instance, when my character started, 
he there was a bad boy character like one of the teenage bad boys was in prison and i was a prison education officer who kept an eye on him and you know got him out of prison when there was a stabbing or what blah 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 so when i once that's... And you got him out of prison by getting a tattoo of the entire prison on your body, right? <laughs> exactly. Despite the fact that you were actually outside the prison. Yeah. He said you could just get a map. He's <laughs> like, this is really weird. Um, I just, on that, I've been, uh, I, I don't know why. You watched um, Prison Break. So I watched the first series of Prison Break originally and really liked it. Even though the, it was an idea that probably would have only technically sustained, sustained about the season. half of the first episode. Like if it had been, I think, I think I if it had been eight or ten really good episodes... That would have been enough and it would have been great. But instead they kind of, and anyway. Well, rem remind me, because I, I remember it came out the same year as Lost Prison Break. And I remember watching them at the same time. And one of them I dropped off and I can't remember if it was Lost or Prison Break. What's the big, like, what's what's the end of season one in Prison Break? What's the big? They break out of the prison. <laughs> oh, really? But then how do you do a season? Oh, it's them on the well, run. this is the point, mate. Right. Okay. Uh, you know what? Let's have a quick little pause yeah. and let's go down a little prison break hole because <laughs> I think this will be fun because yeah. I have started watching the new season of Prison Break. By the way, that this is the only context in which let's go down a prison break hole would ever be non-threatening. I think that we've evolved this podcast in the last seven years, Charlie, to a point that we can talk about prison without going down a prison hole. Let's hope <laughs> okay. that that is the let's case. Let's see what happens. All right, I've loaded up Prison Break, Charlie. Okay, great, excellent. Um, all right, so season one, these are the synopses of the season. Let's skip past any of the actual information about it. But uh, season one, uh, the first season follows the rescue of Lincoln Burroughs. Now, Lincoln Burroughs, I believe might even be an Australian, is he an Australian actor? Dom Purcell. Yeah, and he and uh, uh, his brother, um, uh, Michael, yeah. uh, they... Um, What's that actor's name again? <sighs> Dominic Person? No, no he, that's, that's the, the other that's one. Uh, we'll we'll get to him. I'm sure. I'm sure All I can right. just click through and find Something out what his fucking name is. Wendell? Wen no, it's not Wendell. It's he, he's actually a really interesting dude. That guy. Yeah. Um, he wrote a. Um, he, he's gay, and he yeah. put on some weight at some stage and got fat shamed and wrote mm. like a really interesting piece about he it. Writes anyway. scripts as well. He's written feature. Films and they, they've so. both been in um, Wentworth Miller. Yeah, Wentworth Wendell. Miller. <laughs> and they've, they've both Mr. Mr. Wendell. Wendell. Mr. Wendell Miller. You know that guy, right? Wentworth is a fucking good name. Yeah, Wentworth. I never thought of that. What the, I mean, that immediately inspires respect. I Wentworth, always, little Wentworth Clawson. Charlie doesn't. Like, no. I mean, I'm actually a Charles, and that does, you know, in certain circles inspire respect. I mean, even, like, Wentworth would be a good middle name to go with Charles. If you were Charles Wentworth Clawson. Charles Wentworth Miller. Sounds like he should be a duke. Yeah, Charles Wentworth Miller. That's good. In fact, like That's it actually sounds like a company that George Miller has started with yeah. a, guy, a couple of other guys. With Prince Charles. Larry, Char Larry Charles. <laughs> George Miller. And uh, and Wentworth Miller. No, <laughs> no what was, he, what was his name? Charles Wentworth Miller. Yeah, George yeah. Miller. No, we need someone with a surname Wentworth. <laughs> Fuck. They get, uh, they get Wentworth the, Miller in. They say, but yeah. your first name? Because yeah. it sounds cooler. Because, yeah, we don't want it to be uh, Miller Miller. Miller. <laughs> Plus, you technically get your whole name in it. So, it's it's actually really good for you. Yeah. It was between you and the TV series Wentworth, but we'd, we'd like to go with you because we think it's easier to work with you than an entire TV series. Isn't that funny? That Wentworth, which is... When I was in the States, that's one of the few Aussie dramas... Which that, was originally called Prisoner, to bring it back to Prison Break. That's right, but that's what yeah. I was going to say. Like, Wentworth Miller, Wentworth... 
the Aussie show about prisons. I mean, it's all making sense now, isn't it, for the conspiracy theorists out there? We thought it was like a, a name We've cracked of the royalty, code. but maybe it's a, a name that inspires like incarceration. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, full body if in the old days, like, you know, names came from like, your name was Taylor because you were the local Taylor or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you were, and, lo- you were the local Anderson. And, well, <laughs> uh, probably Anders' son, son Anders. right? Yeah, son no, of Ander. Son of Klaus. Right. There you go. See, it works out. Um, uh, so what would Wentworth be? What would your Wentworth be? Um, like, because it feels like what's it's your a no- went worth. Yeah, what's your went worth? Maybe it was maybe, maybe it was, it was like a, a Lamborg re- with a speech impediment, <laughs> and he's like, "Your went is due on Thursday." He was a Monty Python character, <laughs> right? He was originally from a family of Monty Python characters. Yeah, yeah. Right. Elmer Fudd, the landlord. They've been in um, a bunch of shows like uh, Green Arrow, uh, The Arrow, and uh, Flash, and uh, that um, time traveling one. Uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Know what it's called? What's it called? You know uh, the one the, I mean? Yeah, we're all we're all bad heroes. guys. Suicide Squad in tomorrow a spaceship. Tomorrow will be heroes. Yeah, the legends of tomorrow. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I imagine that's how the fucking pitch meeting went. What's it called? Uh, heroes, uh, all heroes, heroes in a spaceship. The day. Uh, the si- science hero and bad guys in hero. a spaceship. Time travel heroing Ch- people. Uh, they're bad now, but they'll be good later. Uh, great guys. Can we just call it Legends of Tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that's, that's good. Called, that's yeah. actually really good, man. <laughs> Time traveling heroes of the future and past <laughs> and present. Let's be honest. <laughs> and, and, and they left less, let's be honest in the title. <laughs> Because somebody was just taking really thorough notes. Mm. So I'll run you through the plots, okay. uh, the seasons. Um, anyway, uh, so the first season follows a re- the rescue of Lincoln Burroughs, who is accused of... Great name, by the way. Yeah. First off, like the writer, hats off. Very, yeah, very Lincoln happy. Burroughs. Burroughs. Yeah. He's Burrows. in a prison. Fantastic. Well, he's going to... Break out of break a prison. Break out of a prison. Yeah. And his name's Burroughs. Yeah. If his name had been Lincoln Filing Cake... Yeah. <laughs> Lincoln Tunnels. <laughs> Lincoln posters. That sounds like a gay porn star. <laughs> Lincoln Tunnels. Oh, Lincoln Tunnels. Lincoln Tunnels. Have you seen the latest of Lincoln Tunnels Mate, on Red li- Is Lincoln Tunnels left, right, and center? <laughs> I said we wouldn't go there, but I feel like we didn't quite go there. Um, all right. Uh, Lincoln Burroughs. Yep, good name. Who is accused of murdering Terence Stedman. Again, pretty good name for someone to murder. You're gonna, yep. If you're going to murder someone, murder a Terence Stedman. Uh, the partner of Oprah. No, the brother of <laughs> Vice President of the United States, Caroline Reynolds. So, accused of murdering the brother of the Vice President. So, that you already, this has got conspiracy, Charlie. Yeah. Writ large, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln is sentenced to death and is incarcerated in Fox River State Penitentiary, where he awaits his execution. Lincoln's brother, brilliant structural engineer, Michael Schofield. Now, his I, brother's got a different name? Yeah, uh, which is revealed okay. for reasons I can't remember, but there's some reason. Um, he's convicted of Lincoln's innocence and formulates an escaped... He's convinced, convinced. sorry. <laughs> he's convinced, not convicted. He's convinced of Lincoln's innocence and formulates an escape plan. In order to gain access to Fox River, Michael commits an armed robbery, which results in his being sentenced. Uh, in prison, Michael... Befri- okay, so just pause. Yeah. So he's got to commit... A crime that is bad enough to get to that specific that specific prison. So when he's sitting there weighing up, okay, so these are the crimes I can commit: rape. I mean, I'm not really comfortable with I, that. I, murder. I think for like for somebody who's meant to be the like protagonist that people root for in this, to make him a rapist. I feel like there'd be a couple that they would immediately kind of 
They put. In like, fact, they do have those characters in the show, much like yeah, putting together your home and away episode. Yeah. Of course, you are going to have somebody who is convicted of sex crimes in this prison, mm. but they are going to be the creepy character. Yeah. This is not. not this is not time for them to throw that up in so the air. When Lincoln sees his brother for the first time, he's like, "What are you doing in here?" He's like, mm. "I raped five people to get in here to save you, man." It's Again, like, I really don't. You know, thank you and everything. I understand. Look, yeah. the sentiment was nice, but. Uh, that's heinous. Yeah, I, I, I can. I, I flew a plane into the twin towers. <laughs> that would be amazing. Right. What a great. Are uh, you know nine eleven? Yeah, I did that to get in here to rescue you because I'm pretty sure you're innocent. It's a good plan. I've tattooed the plans all over my body. Everything will be fine. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Used to be a structural engineer, even though I'm a genius. Don't know why I went into that job. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> the irony of me play, flying a plane into a building when I'm a structural, structural engineer. engineer yeah. I, I knew where exactly to fly it in. That's the problem. Uh, hello, Ramona. Um, so, all right. So, uh, okay. So, By the way, that is probably the most credible 9-11 conspiracy theory I've heard yet. I mean... That the, the guy from Prison Break... Yeah, did it. Did it. As a practice run. <laughs> in prison, Michael befriends the prison doctor, Sarah Tancredi, when he pretends to suffer... I, I seem to... My vague memory... Is that she's she's sexy? She's sexy. Okay, there's a fair chance that they will probably hook up. Spoilers for those who haven't delved into the prison break world, but the spoilers are there from the minute that you see them together. The only intrigue will be what is the nature of their relationship. Oh, right, you got me. Well, here's the thing: is he just using her, or yeah, does he actually have love her caring yeah. emotions for her? Yeah. To be continued. Also, too, it does change the dynamic if he has been put in there for like five counts of rape. Again. Again. The Let's fem- move away the, from the, the artwork. The female doctor's like... <laughs> I feel like you keep coming back that to a bit too much. Obviously, you weren't getting that storyline up in the home and away writer's room. Uh, all right. Uh, in order to gain prison, he commits a crime. Uh, Senators of Fox River. In prison, Michael befriends uh, Sarah Tancredi. Uh, he pretends to suffer from type 1 diabetes in order to gain daily access to the prison's infirmary, where he receives his daily insulin shots. Ha, uh, ha, sorry, how do you pretend to have it? Like, wouldn't they have results or something? He's I got mean, some doctored results. Yeah, he's got, he's got some plans. Doctored results. Uh, uh, the brothers fight to ward off the execution is aided by their lifelong friend of Veronica Donovan, who begins to investigate the conspiracy that put Lincoln in jail. However, they're hindered by covert agents, members of an organization known as The Company... Mm. Not ominous at all. The company was responsible for framing Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) Uh, They did so because... And Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead. (laughs) They did so because of Lincoln's father, Aldo Burrells, and former connections with the company. I don't think he's Michael's father. Uh, The brothers, along with six other inmates, Fernando Sucre... Theodore Teabag Bagwell. Oh, he listens to the show. <laughs> He's a teabagger. Yeah, big, big fan of Tofop. That was yeah. his backstory. He loved it so much, he, uh, he started listening five years before we were on air. Yeah, well, that was his thing. And Benjamin Miles C-Note Franklin. All right, that's too many names. <laughs> Just pick one. David Tweener Apolkus. John Abruzzi and Charles Haywire Paderschick come to be known as the Fox River Eight escaped the episode immediately prior to the season finale. So I was wrong. Okay. It did not feel finished with them escaping. That was the, 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 the penultimate episode. Sorry. I was distracted by my dog. Uh, after using their prison industry privileges to dig an escape tunnel underneath the prison. So they tunnel out of prison eventually, right? You, so we, you might say they, they burrowed? <laughs> they burrow out in the final episode. Uh, the second season 
So, begins eight hours after the escape. Fo- focusing mainly on the eight escapees. Um, escapees? Escapees, yes. Oh, escapees. Uh, series creator Paul Schurig describes the second season as the fugitive times eight. Oh, I bet that's how he pitched it too. I don't mind that. You, you rink- I mean, that makes sense It's the fugitive me. times eight. Yeah, well. Too many times, mate. <laughs> That's too many times the fugitive. I don't want it times eight. The fugitive times three, I'm into. The yeah, two, yeah, yeah, it's right. too big. Yeah. It's too much. You can Prime never... numbers only. The fugitive was pretty good, mate. There wasn't actually that much room in the fugitive for more stuff going on. It was actually a pretty perfect movie. How long is this movie going to go if it's the fugitive times eight? Oh, it's a TV series. No, this is a good point. Okay. <laughs> We're back. Here's your check. Uh, the fugitive times eight and likens it to the second half of The Great Escape. The, what I'm hearing the is... The Great that, Escape in The Fugitive. Yeah, what I'm hearing here is he did not have a lot of original ideas for the second series. He no. had one really good original idea for the first series. But hang on. So he the goes, second... I watched Shawshank, and then I watched The Fugitive, and then I watched the second half of The Great Escape. And I have, oh, I got an idea for the first two series of something. In season three, a time-traveling cyborg <laughs> came back. I just saw T2. It's right. amazing. It's amazing. Anyway, why are the, why are the prisoners blue in the fourth one? <laughs> The second uh, season believe, uh, begins, uh, begins, eight hours, <laughs> begins. Um, all right. Uh, the fugitives split up and journey to locations across the country with the authorities close behind them as they each pursue their individual goals. Uh, Brad Balick gets fired from the prison where he worked as the main guard and chases after the inmates himself for the reward money. So oh, that's he goes how you get, hunter. That's how you get the prison guard. Yeah, yeah. The popular prison guard character from the first season. That's how you get him involved, now, right? Is he a bad guy? Character? Bad guy. Okay. To me, there is a perfect setup here for him to be- to come into the fold. He starts off, he's gone rogue to chase him down, but then they'll bring him into the fold. That's a great... I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's what I would do. That's not bad. Continue. I like that. Um, all right. A that's bit like that's Spike. your pitch. A if you're like... sitting in the Prison Break Season 2 meeting, yeah. you're like... Yeah. It's like Spike and Buffy... <laughs> Meets because yeah. that's the only way you're allowed to pitch things yeah. in that meeting. You're like with synonyms. It's okay. So for some reason they're all going to just be waiting in line at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> no, they're never going to get to the movie. That's the that's the bit. That's the bit. Um. All right. So um. And truly, <laughs> you would say that Michael is the master of his domain. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, federal agent uh, Alexander Mahone is uh, assigned to track down and capture the eight fugitives, but is revealed to be working for the company. Oh, goddamn company. Which wants all eight men dead. When Sarah, Sarah, I can't remember Sarah, way, I think. So the company is their like moniker. It's not their official title, right? They I, mean, I don't think that's what it says on their cards. The company, no. It would be hard to register a company as the company. Google it. If what comes up, if I just put in the, the company. company or the company.com. I like this, by the way, because I've recently, because Australia now is spying on all our emails and everything and the government can do it. I've recently, as does, uh, well, as did Steve Jobs and as do a lot of people who work in the tech industry and all these sort of things. I, I now have a Band-Aid over the camera. I've got my... over mine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. This is the world we live in now. Yeah. Because I often, for my shows, Google a lot of things that would put me on alert list. <laughs> And for my shows, guys, they're all for my shows. Sometimes if I Google something weird, I then have to write a bit about it to justify the fact that I spent eight hours. To be honest, this whole conversation is just me justifying that yesterday I spent eight hours on this prison break site. (laughs) Uh, The company. Uh, All right, let's uh, let's have a look here. The company, Wikipedia. What does it say on Wikipedia? Okay. Uh, All right. 
organizations, uh, the first one that comes up is the, the CIA. So the CIA is okay, often so known as the company. Okay. When I say moniker, it's like the nickname. Right? Their nickname, I yeah, guess. Cool. Uh, the Society of Jesus, the Catholic mm-hmm. Order of the St. Ignatius of Loyola. Oh, the Jesuits, my boys. AKA the Jesuits. They're called uh, the company. The company. I know that. Oh my God, you're a Jesuit. You're a, a member of the company. Hang on. <laughs> You've been a member of the company the whole I've time. I've infiltrated this podcast from day one. Imagine so, if that's what the prison break team, they were actually just Jesuits. <laughs> they were just like, no, we're trying to help reform you. Give us a boy. We'll give you a man. Uh, <laughs> but they, it, literally in those days, they used to swap boys for men. <laughs> not, running, not running. While listening to boys for <laughs> men, boys. which was very meta. <laughs> the Indian man. We have come to the end of the road. <laughs> And I can't let go. It's unnatural. I belong to you. You belong to me. Sorry. Uh, and the Indian Mafia. So they're also known as the company. What? Uh, oh, the Indian, the Mafia. Indian Mafia. Oh, that's cool. I yeah. like that. Do you want to know about the Indian Mafia? But, but we're we're, gonna, yeah, 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 of let's course. Find out about it. <laughs> but yeah. when you're in, but when you're in India, I mean, like that's. I mean, if you're at a bar and, you know, you're a tourist, you're at a bar in India and you say to someone, I'm looking for some company. Right. You know, you might fucking find yourself in a dangerous situation. Right. Well, okay. Let's have a look. Uh, organized crime in India is a reference to organized crime elements. Oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Mumbai Underworld refers to the organized crime network in the city of Mumbai. Uh, Mumbai is the largest city uh, and the big financial capital. Over a period of time, Mumbai Underworld has been dominated by several different groups and mobsters. Uh, Haji Mastan, I'm sorry, I'm probably getting the uh, pronunciations completely wrong on this, uh, was a Mumbai-based mobster who became the first... Mumbai-based mobster. That's I know. A fucking, that's, a, that's a rapper's pseudonym. I mean, by the way... A Mumbai-based mobster. If you're going to be a mobster... <laughs> Mumbai is the place to be, right? Yeah, totally. This is Mumbai. This is my Mumbai. Uh, so, um, uh, who became the first celebrity gangster. So, he's their big, oh. their Al Capone or something, right. I suppose, right? Um, they're Carl Williams. <laughs> they became the first celebrity gangster uh, of the city of Mumbai. <gasps> Ramona. Um, expanding his clout in the film industry by giving money to directors and studios oh, for film production. Fascinating. So, right, there you yeah. go. It's the classic old, the mob gets involved yeah, in like show Frank business. Sinatra. Like Steven Seagal's later career, right? Yeah. Wasn't that well, the I big know, story? I think, that... I think his early career is, well, I think he's entirely funded by organized <laughs> crime. Jesus. Sorry, Will I was trying to lift uh, Ramona up and didn't quite work out in the smooth fashion that I was like hoping it might. Hello. Hello. Ramona yes. is currently inches from the microphone. She may contribute at any point. She may. She just wants a kiss. Um, all right. So he became the first celebrity gangster. She's licking my neck now. Expanding his clout in the film. And now she's licking the microphone. <laughs> so expanding his clout in the film industry by giving money to directors and studios for film production. As Mustang's influence in Bollywood grew. So he was like the big Bollywood gangster. Right? So I imagine that's to launder, launder the money? Or is he just a patron of the arts? Well, because uh, for instance, bit of both, in Australia imagine. in the 80s, there used to be this tax break, which was called the 10BA, which meant that if you uh, put money, you invested in Australian film production, that was a 100% tax write-off. Right. So in the 80s, there was a spate of all these kind of, they call it ausploitation films, where 
you know, on the Gold Coast shot, a lot of these kind of things, which were just like, what are we doing? We're making like in Australia's version of like Lethal Weapon or whatever. But it's because it has been theorized there was a lot of money in organized crime in Australia. And they're like, well, fuck. How do we, we can launder put it this through money? the film industry right. and then we just, the tax department will give it and back and then it's official. So, I mean, bring that back. Bring though. that back. I, bring that back. Hey, like, like give drug dealers and whatever, like a, an opportunity to launder money. At least they're putting it somewhere positive. They're yeah, putting like, it into the stream film industry. We've got fucking studios here. I agree. Give us a podcast break. Yeah. That's what the government need to do. I'm happy for a couple of fucking drug dealers to get involved in sponsoring this podcast as a, like a tax write-off. <laughs> do you know? Uh, all right, so uh, let's uh, learn more about Haji Mustan. Or sorry, if I'm getting that wrong, uh, as Mustan's influence in Bollywood grew, he began to produce films himself. Oh, this is all right, brilliant! This is a fucking film. Let's write this down. <laughs> Copyright Tofop, I think. <laughs> uh, born in 1926. Uh, all right, blah blah. blah. Uh, okay, so Haji, Haji Mustan, originally known as Mustan Haider Mirza, at the age of eight moved to Mumbai with his father. The father-son duo ran a small uh, cycle repair shop in Crawford Market. Ten years later, in the year 1944, Mustan joined Bombay Docks as a porter. Well, there you go. He gets down the to the... Docks. If you want to get involved in organized crime, yeah. you start at the docks, yeah, right? totally. Like, if you went to any city, like, what, what would it be these days? The casino? Like, if you go to a like, city and you go, I want to get involved in organized crime, I think, where would oh, be the yeah, place casino. to go? Casino. Casino first? And then the docks. Yeah, is there reckon, somewhere else that you would go? No, I reckon casino. some sort of well, nightclub spot. Uh, well, we're in Sydney, so yeah. there are no nightclubs. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you have to get in early. Yeah. You have to go to a popular nightclub spot at I night. I reckon the horse track. Oh, the uh, horse anywhere track. There's, anywhere yeah, yeah. there's gambling. No, that's a good point. Yeah, the horse track. Anyway, so let's get more gambling involved in other things, guys. It only attracts good elements. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, he goes down the docks. Yep. Uh, Haji used to work on the docks. Remember that song? By <laughs> Bombay Jambi. hold on to what we got. Put all our money into Bollywood. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, da, 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 da. He, yeah, he joined the docks as a porter and there, from there entered in organized crime. Right. He worked in association with Karim Lala. Karim Lala. Karim Lala? I reckon. Yeah, it's uh, like Kar- that Fuji song, Karim Lala. I think I actually I saw that uh, Bollywood film about him, La La Land. <laughs> uh, Karim Lala Jabul, his full name was. Anyway, is this racist to make fun of people's names? No. I don't know. That's funny. They sound funny. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, they might all be Aussies. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kar- Karim Lala, and by 1960, he became a rich man. Okay, he's done well. The riches. Yeah, so, what was the drug? I mean, what a drug? Well, what was it? I reckon it was on the docks. It was just like so... getting shit corruption through on the docks. Well, I, anyway, we'll okay. see if we can. Here we go. Oh, literally, the next sentence answers your question. Okay. Uh, the riches he accumulated were because of smuggling gold, hmm. silver, and electronic goods on which he made a millions. A millions? No, millions. Oh. He even started financing uh, money in Bollywood and became a film producer. Okay, yeah, we, that, we knew that from the start of this paragraph. <laughs> I feel like two people have edited this yeah. one paragraph. Um, uh, Vara Dara Jan Madala. Ma- <laughs> You're not helping. <laughs> Keep going. Varad, no, no, don't, 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 don't get, let's move on. Varadarajan, no, Varadarajan, I reckon, on second reading, yeah. Varadarajan 
Mudalaya, Mudalaya, uh, popularly known as Vard Vada Bar. <laughs> you realise you have stopped. Like, just keep going. Vada Bai. Yeah. Popularly known as Vada Bai, was a Mumbai-based ethnic Hindu Mumbai mafia mobster. What? Whoa! Start again. He was a Mumbai-based ethnic Hindu Mumbai mafia mobster. Wow. Triple M. Yeah. Uh, came to be known. <laughs> came to be known. Uh, who operated from early 1960s to 1980 and accorded equal clout along with Haji Mustan. Okay, right. So this was the other... He's the rival dude. Yeah, so, he's a rival dude. He's yeah, like... Yeah. You, got, okay. you got Lucky Luciano and Al Capone, yeah. right? So um, starting off as a porter, his first brush with the crime world was when he began selling illicit liquor. He commanded a lot of respect within the Tamil community, Uh-oh. and he also ran a parallel judis- judiciary where his verdict was the law of the land. Oh, my God. <laughs> that Hang doesn't on. sound... He just set up his own court system. Yeah. Oh, you know, like they do in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. No, that's fine, guys. Uh, the law of land was final and binding in areas such as... so. Oh, so he just took over some areas yeah. and just was basically like, um, hey, guys, this is the law now. Well, that's what Escobar did yeah. in Colombia, for instance. Yeah, what's what's happening with the Taliban and stuff right. as well. Like, you know, they go to places and go, you know, I am the law. Judge yeah. Dredd. They all watch Judge Dredd. They go, guys, I've got an idea. Which one? The, uh, I am the law. The Sylvester Stallone one? Yeah, it took him this long to work out what he was saying. Turns out he was saying, I am the law. Uh, I think we can make fun of the way he speaks. Okay. I think that's fine. Um, all right. So he um, ran his own uh, uh, court system. And then, um, oh, no, he actually worked in tandem with Haji Mustan. Oh, shit. They teamed yeah. up. So they teamed up. Team up. Yeah, this is like their Avengers. Yeah, right. Um, and So they ventured into stealing dock t- cargo because I both worked on the docks. So they decided they'd uh, set up a stealing dock cargo business together. Steal as in... To thieve? To or? thieve, yes. Okay, right. Not as in the metal. No, they weren't stealing it. No, yeah, they were... Like, they oh, were, they've gone legit. They were thieving it. construction. They were nicking it, mate. He later diversified into contract killings. Oh, God. Well, this is nice when you're like, hey, guys, I feel like we're doing good with the dock stealing. Yeah. But how do we start killing them? I feel like, how do we... Do, it's like us with the podcast. You know, we're yeah. like, maybe we should get a YouTube channel. Maybe we should, you know, like do other things. They're having those meetings as well. They're having like a meeting down and they go, hey, well... You know, we're working together now. We've got some extra resources. This whole stealing from the dogs thing works pretty well. Like, okay. maybe we should diversify. Anyone got any ideas? It does actually make sense to me. Like, if you think about it, if you were involved in the criminal world, right? Right. And just say you started off Chopper Reed style as like a standover man or a contract killer or whatever. I can understand there being sort of like issues with how far you can grow that business. But if you start off the guy who's smuggling stuff in and then you're sort of building a business, now you're a big wig and you start moving into other areas of crime, you've never actually firsthand had to kill anyone or, or, or be in a room where someone's killed. But you've got enough money and resources that you can start handing out contracts left, right, right and centre because you'll never see it. Like, well, it's like, you know, like you sometimes hear of footballers who like open a, you know, uh, like a baked potato franchise or something like that. Smoothies it was for a while. Right, yeah, smoothies. You, you get yourself a boost juice or yeah, something like yeah, that, yeah. right? Like, you know, I, I can imagine you could do that in that world as well. I mean, are we limiting it ourselves? Like, you know, people support us now. People give some money on Patreon. We appreciate that. We're looking for ways to, you know, put that money into the podcast to improve it. But are we limiting ourselves? Should we be going, maybe we should be looking to establishing like a contract killing? <laughs> like, I mean, it's, you know, it's not 100% on brand, but uh, I mean. 
that's a fucking great idea. Do you know what I mean? Like, that should be a Patreon podcast, Tofot, Tofot, podcast and contract killing. Well, what, need to, what we need to find out is like what the what's the minimum price you can pay to put a bounty on someone's head. I, I would imagine 20 grand. Let's not like go minimum. Let's like put, if we're going to put in a Patreon level, is that what you're going to suggest? Yeah. Well, let's put it at a decent price. Like, if you give a million dollars or whatever, we'll like, we'll have someone killed of your choice. But there's got to be some prerequisites. Because we'd be able to get, like, we'd be able to get, like, someone cheaper. So we'd still make a lot of cash out of it. Like, if someone offered, like, you know, like, say we said you've got to join at 100000 a month for a year. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, you can tell us who you want killed and we will arrange for them to be killed. I bet we could find someone for, like, what do you, how reckon, how cheap do you reckon we could get someone to kill someone? To kill someone. Grand. Effectively, though, like, so that we're not implicated. We want a professional. I don't know. Well, I've been, I've, I was uh, reading a lot of Chopper Reed uh, books a little while back and I think I mean that was 30 years ago but he he was doing stuff for like 10 or 20 grand so yeah, inflation maybe 50, 60? 50, 50, 60 so even if we got someone good even if we like splashed out a little and spent like 200,000 right got a real pro someone nice someone yeah. we like someone right? international yeah someone exactly no idea. no connections a to ghost. us at all right a ghost. A ghost. yeah we put some extra money in you know what 500,000 oh shit okay we're getting someone real good there we're getting someone from Russia for 500,000. Okay. You're getting you know one what? of those fucking Russian assassins. We're where... getting like 1.2 million. And okay. So, okay. Now, you know what? 300,000. I reckon we could oh, spend... We want more of a profit margin? Yeah. I'm basically trying to work out what the right amount of profit margin versus the right amount of... Killer. Killer. Expertise. Like, yeah. Yeah. I want like our brand to be a good brand. I, I, think, like, I think... Like, because the thing is, we shouldn't be looking at this as a short-term investment. Like, no. if the first one works out well, then obviously, you know... That would be great for other people as well. So then we want like a guy we can rely on. So we want a guy who does a good job the first time or a woman, and let's not be sexist, so that we can then next time like go back to them, don't we? Or do we want to go to someone new each time? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Mm, It's like, you know, you have burners when you're you're a drug dealer. I think we should not have anything that ties back to us. Like if that guy gets caught on another job, you know, and we've used him multiple times and it looks bad for us that, oh, why is this guy called your number multiple times? I reckon we go for a different... There must be... But a, isn't it like, you know... If John Wick has taught me anything, there is a cabal of assassins and they all hang out in this really cool hotel and stuff and we'll be able to get more. If we get one high-priced assassin, we just get him to make some introductions. Okay, but won't they be... Don't we also not want to cross a high-priced assassin? Like, would they be, like, pissed off about the fact that we contracted him for one would, job and then... I think like, a mercenary... Because you don't want a mercenary, a mercenary to hate you, to have, like, bad relationship with you. You don't want to... Like, no, but that's the... This that, person's a cold-blooded killer. Yeah, but they're also a mercenary. They're not going to fucking go out of their way to shoot you unless there's money involved. Like, you but, taking but money to someone else... But your future business is their money. So Doesn't if you're suddenly it, not using them... The first Wouldn't guy, you think that they would be mercenary about that transaction? Only if they felt that they were getting ripped off or you're taking money out of their hand. But in in the first meeting, we sit down with whoever, he or she, and say, look, this is a one-off job for you. We may uh, put more contracts out, but we're not going to use you again. This is a one-and-done deal. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> we're dead. We're Just dead. like, struck bullet to their head. What happened to Tofop? They got assassinated. Yeah, but not by a fan. That was a weird thing. We always thought it'd be a fan. All right. So, so, so in season two, uh, they all go on the run. Um, <clears throat> when Sarah discovers her father, Governor Frank Tancredi, has been killed, she meets with Michael, remaining with him and the brothers Hang to try on, sorry, to... Just, I, uh, so the doctor's dad dies. Is that what you said? Um, Tancredi's... Yes. 
Yes, her father has been killed, uh, probably oh, by the murdered. company, I think. Oh, right. To, uh, to, to ensure the brother's safety, Sarah allows herself to be arrested and faces trial. Oh, well, that's uh, unoriginal. During the trial, the testimony of former Secret Service boss Paul Kellerman, who used to work for the company-controlled president, exonerates Lincoln and Sarah, or Sarah. Half of the escapees are killed or recaptured, but the brothers make it to Panama. Panama! And then they sing that. <laughs> uh, Michael Teabag Mahone or Mahoney and Abalik are arrested by the Panamanian authorities and imprisoned at the penitentiary. Oh yeah, it's just a federal disowner. Panamanian prison. Essentially, basically, nobody liked season two, and they went, "How the fuck can we get them back in prison for season <laughs> three? Uh, the third season follows Michael inside Sona and Lincoln on the outside in Panama. Panama! Sona is a prison that has been run by the inmates and guarded only from the outside due to a riot in the year before. So inside, the prisoners are in charge. All right. So it's like... Oh, that's. I think that's based on fact. I think there is a prison in Panama. There's that um, book, Marching Powder, which is about a prison... Uh, maybe it's not Panama. There's a South American... Maybe it's Peru country where there's a prison which is run yeah. like its own well that's what happened by season three the dude who came up with the show had run out of movies he's seen <laughs> yeah. but he'd also read a book yeah so he's like <laughs> i'd say he'd done a lot of cocaine right <laughs> <laughs> the first two seasons were a hit he's done so much blow he's like you know what i really like cocaine i'd like to buy some more hey panama <laughs> we go down to panama <laughs> we shoot it's fucking cheap as down there <laughs> uh all right so um Burroughs is quickly contacted by Gretchen Morgan, a company operative who is in charge of operations in Panama, who kidnapped his Panama. son who kidnapped his son LJ and Sarah, the woman Michael loves. He's told that the company wants Schofield. Oh, by the way, Michael and Sarah get together. Yeah. Spoilers. Uh, he's told that the company wants Schofield to break James Whistler out of Sona. The season follows Michael and Whistler's trials in formulating an escape plan as Michael has to de deal with extreme tension and Lincoln deals with the company's operative Gretchen Morgan. Sucre gets a job at the prison and to aid Michael in his escape plan. When Lincoln attempts to rescue Sarah and LJ following a clue provided by Sarah, Gretchen claims to have beheaded Sarah and sends Lincoln a head in a box oh as a warning. As the season so ends. So I've just seen seven. Uh, <laughs> this is all this fucking time. Guys, I've, gone, guys I've done so much coke <laughs> yeah. and I've just seen this movie called Seven. Anyway, we need a head in a box. As the season ends, the pair manage to escape along with Mahoney and another inmate, Luis, leaving behind several accomplices, including Teabag and Balak. Fucking teabag. Sucre's identity is discovered by a prison guard and is thrown out, thrown into Sona just after the escape. LJ and Sophia, who was captured for a guarantee that Whistler would go with her, are trying to blah, 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 blah. Uh, season four. Right. The major storyline for the fourth season is about a team recruited by Homeland Security agent Don Self to obtain Celia. Although the team initially believes, to, uh, believes it to be the company's black book, it is later revealed to contain information on an advanced renewable power cell. 
So this has got to be another movie, right? Yeah, what yeah, what yeah. movie did they find? Well, any fucking movie. It's always about fucking clean energy, right? Wasn't fucking Dark Knight Rises about oh, clean, clean energy. energy? And like, the Avengers was clean about energy. clean energy. There's always some fuckhead developing clean energy, which can be retro-engineered to become a fucking nuclear weapon or something. Over the course of the first half of the season, the team obtains cards to access Celia and breaks into... So Celia the, is the name of the book. The, the book. Whatever it is, the, uh, breaks into the company's headquarters to steal it. Uh, Sarah is discovered. It's basically about breaking into things or breaking out of things. This yeah. show, uh, Sarah is discovered to be alive. She's alive. Okay. Uh, thought she was dead. She's actually alive. Balak dies when he sacrifices himself, and sa- and I think he was the bad guy. Balak, wasn't he? The one you said yeah, eventually would. So yeah. He sacrificed himself. So he sacrificed himself in yeah. season I, four. I could see that coming. Uh, and self is revealed to be a double agent intent on selling Celia to the highest bidder. Reluctantly, Lincoln decides to join the company to get it back. So now Lincoln is joining the company while Michael suffers from hypothalamic... Guys, I've just been watching House. I've got a great idea for season five. He, gets he just walks out. Hypothalamic. Every plotting meeting he walks in, his face is just covered in powder. Covered like, in he's powder. just like, all right, guys, guys, new idea. You're on an island. <laughs> Turns out it's purgatory. Uh, hypothalamic hamatoma. Hematoma. Hang on. Are we still talking about Mumbai? I think I've actually got it. I think I've actually got this thing. It's hamatoma time. Uh, He is treated and operated uh, on by the company. Michael later learns that his mother, Christina, is still alive and was an agent of the company. Fuck, everyone was working for the company. His dad, his mum. Who is revealed to acquire Celia to sell to the highest bidder. Everyone's trying to sell this thing to the highest bidder. Yeah. Eventually... on eBay or something? (laughs) No one ever wants to sell it to the second highest bidder just because they like them more, do they? Uh, Eventually, the series' main storyline of the past four seasons ends in Miami, where Celia is recovered by Michael and the team. The general and the company are taken down, and Sarah kills Christina. The last two episodes of the season represent the season finale. In the penultimate episode, Sarah is seen buying flowers in Panama with her toddler son. Panama! Panama! With her toddler son, Michael, before uh, visiting uh, Michael's grave with Lincoln. Because Michael's dead. What? Hang on. How did Michael die? Michael died in something company related because he suffered from... Hypothalamic hematoma. I thought Lincoln had the hematoma. No, Michael had the hematoma. Oh. Lincoln joined the company, and Michael suffered from hematoma. Oh, Lincoln joined the company. I got that yeah, wrong. yeah, right. But like, yeah, I mean, why this they is so. The uh, I don't know for muscle. You think a fucking expert in structural engineering would be more useful? Yeah, than but that. Lincoln doesn't have hypothalamic hematoma. I know there are no doctors listening to this, but if you were, you'd be really unhappy with how I pronounce that. Um, all right. Uh, so Michael Imagine if dies. You're an Indian doctor listening to this, you just be like, "Oh my god!" Michael dies uh, before visiting Michael's grave uh, with Lincoln, uh, Sucre, and Mahoney. The final episode in television. So you're movie, saying Mahoney? You're not saying Marnie? No, I think he's Mahone actually. Okay. Uh, the final episode in television movie Prison Break: colon, The Final Break uh, shows what happened between the takedown of the company and Michael's death. The story involves the incarceration of Sarah in Miami-Dade County Penitentiary, which Ooh. is where Horatio Kane, David Crusoe, also works. Yep. That would have been a good opportunity for a crossover. Guys! <laughs> <laughs> Guys! I've just was just a certain Miami. 
He's just fucking his eyes are bloodshot. His miss his septum is completely missing. <laughs> He's just got an assistant just boofing him. The story involves the incarceration of Sarah in Miami Dade County Penitentiary for Christina's murder. Uh, so Sarah's in present prison. Michael's dead. The general in tea bag. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good. That's a good spin-off series, isn't it? <laughs> the general in tea bag. He's the general, and I'm tea bag. Are <laughs> uh, uh, in the adjacent men's facility. Uh, the general wants Sarah dead and has put a hundred thousand dollar bounty on her. Michael hears of the bounty and devises a plan. Isn't Michael dead? <sighs> Michael's not dead, mate. Oh no! Okay, this is the bit before Michael dies. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, no, this is this is telling the story of why Michael's dead. Okay, but also spoilers. Michael's not dead. Michael's also oh, not, not dead. dead. No. Oh yeah, spoilers. Oh, it's a new series. But spoilers, there's yeah. a new series. Michael's not dead. Uh, all right. Uh, the general and teabag are in the adjoining facility. The general wants Sarah dead. Puts a hundred thousand dollar bounty on her. That's actually just a giant uh, chocolate bar. <laughs> Tries to crush it. <laughs> Got it at the airport. <laughs> Giant novelty bounty. <laughs> Guys, I've just been at the airport. <laughs> they have giant chocolates there. <laughs> Plus, has anyone got $100,000? All his teeth are missing by this stage. Every time he comes in, it's just like, it's like those faces of meth. It's just those gradual kind of... Michael hears of the bounty. Well, why wouldn't you hear? They've spent $140,000 on a giant chocolate bar. Everyone's going to hear about that. And devises a plan to break Sarah out. In the end, knowing he's dying from a brain tumor. Oh, well, they could have just said that instead of hammer time. time. Uh, he's dying from a brain tumor. Michael sacrifices himself for Sarah to escape. Right. So it turns out, Charlie, he wasn't using her at all. Oh, he it was true her. love. And he was willing to die for Does her. Does it say how he sacrificed him? Like, because I'm intrigued to know, did he die on camera? Like, was it a gunshot or was it an explosion or whatever? Because the writers, when they said, hey, we're going to do a new series of Prison Break, that's the challenge. That first meeting be like, how the fuck do we bring Michael back? And so they'd have to watch the tape and go, well, he gets shot, but it could have glanced, you know, or... So, explosion. We never saw him in the building. Here's what I got to tell you, Charlie. I watched all four seasons of Prison Break, and I am now watching. Fuck you, surprised me. And the amount of TV shows you've watched, and you're a very busy man and very productive. I watch a lot of shows like this while I'm being productive. That's why the the two things are happening. It's like, well, I can't watch good TV shows. I I still haven't watched Better Call Saul. Because I know that I will need to sit down. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Better Homes and Gardens. I still haven't watched all of Better Homes and Gardens. I've, I've seen the first few years. Yeah, seven years. And don't, no spoilers. <laughs> Do the Homes and Gardens get better or not? I don't know. <laughs> they, were the, they were the best of yeah. gardens. They were the worst of gardens. It's one of the greatest stories of all time. I don't care about just better homes. Yeah. I don't know about the homes and the and gardens. And the gardens. And only in conjunction. I don't want no. sep- good homes and shitty gardens or good gardens and <laughs> shitty, shitty homes. homes. I want better homes Although, and the gardens. Have you, is there in existence a shitty home with a beautiful garden? Or is it better homes and better gardens? Better should it be better? Or is it better just, homes and or is it just even be- better gardens? <laughs> that should be the reboot. Better <laughs> homes and now even better gardens. <laughs> Another TV station should just come up with even better homes. Yeah, even gardens. better homes and even better gardens. <laughs> it's a completely different show, mate. It's about the even better ones. <laughs> so, 
Yours is about just ones who are better. That's an incremental measurement. <laughs> I mean, you can't go too hard at the first episode of the series yeah. or you fuck the rest of the series, right? Yeah, exactly. You've only got to tune in for the last one of the series to see the best home or garden. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have the best homes and the best gardens. Well, not in episode one, because no. that fucks like episode four, because exactly. it can't get better. You've yeah. literally destroyed the name of your show. So every year, you've only got to get slightly better homes and slightly better gardens. You can't just go to someone who's nailed it, or you fucked it up, but we could. We could swoop in yeah. on that. You're right. Also, it's, you know what would be it's great? It's actually fairly wimpy. You know what would be great for your garden? What? Burying people in it, so yeah. we could combine our two side oh, businesses. That's amazing. How did these gardens get so good? Well, and we, if we get the 10BA back, all, right. all the production costs are completely... Write the whole thing off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck. We, we may be criminal masterminds. We don't even know it. In 2015, it was reported that the revival was in development at Fox. The limited series is a sequel to the original series, taking place several years later and features Wentworth Miller and Dominic Purcell, uh, reprising their roles as uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, as well as the return of series creator, Paul Shearing. Who by this stage is completely <laughs> bald because he's torn all his own hair out. Uh, it doesn't actually have any details about the plot line of this latest But do you know how do we... The... So you saw the episode where he died. Can you remember how he died? Michael? No, I can't. That's what I was going to say to you. Is I, I watched all of that, but it's been a very long time Type since Type in... Was... What's his character? Michael Schofield. How did Michael Schofield yeah, okay. I will die. die prison how break? did Michael... So anyway, in this new one, he's in prison again, um, and he has a new tattoo on his hand, and I was really like... Oh, my God. Well... I guess you watch, the, you know, he's like, guys, I just watched my own an amazing show called Prison Break. <laughs> yeah, mate, you created it. Did I? First season's really good. The rest of it is terrible. <laughs> How did Michael Schofield die? Turns out the internet has plenty of answers to that. Oh, so really? everything's fine. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, How did Michael die in a Prison Break? Um, all right. Uh, Prison Break is back on our screens. Okay, great. This will give us all the information we need. Uh, After the original came to an end. Uh, The show is on Fox with the original cast. Yep, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Even the star of the show, Michael Schofield, is back, which is slightly baffling, (laughs) seeing as he died in the original series. Okay, good. Well done. This is the sort of cynical observation that we actually want from this. Uh, advertising, go away so that I can actually read the rest of it. Baffling. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> uh, the new series begins with Miller acknowledging this. His character says, I died seven years ago. He says, before going on to talk about the freedom, uh, talk about freedom, then the all-important discovery by his brother Lincoln that Michael may actually be alive and in Yemen prison. Uh, as it's been so long since we last saw the crew, you'd be forgiven for being a little co- bit confused. How did this all happen? How is Michael still alive? Mm. There's no weird or voodoo magic. All It was all a dream. No. So how did Michael die? His actual end comes in a separate movie, The Final Break, a TV special, which starts with Sarah and Michael getting married. Yep. Uh, it's Sarah that ends up in prison after being arrested on their wedding day for a murder she committed to save Michael, who is now faced with the same task, to break someone he loves out of the joint. Michael sneaks into prison and leads Sarah to freedom. But at the end, there's a locked door that traps them both inside when his key card doesn't work. Right. Michael knew this was a possibility. He says he can open the door by creating a power surge to override the system. There's a small problem, though. The surge will electrocute him and kill him. In an emotional goodbye, he puts the wires together, opening the door. 
but also seemingly killing him. Sarah sees, sees an explosion as she makes it away. Yeah, okay, perfect. Sarah perfect. escapes thinking Michael died. Mahone also shows her Michael's medical records that show he didn't have much longer to live. Ah, oh, brain tumor, I forgot about that. Hematoma time. He's also given a letter and DVD from Michael that he left behind just in case he didn't make it. The message reveals Michael would have died anyway as the company hadn't cured him of his disease. They'd only delayed his death. He says he has no regrets, but he's glad they're finally all free. So. That makes sense. That's an, that's that, that's not too much of a stretch to bring him back. Okay, so now. It's not like Coulson in the Avengers dying after getting like stabbed or shot or what was it? Well, he had to go to Tahiti, which is a mysterious thing that's now in that the TV, TV show, show that I'm that still no watching. Watches. No, I'm still watching. Again, fucking, I'm still watching. Oh I think it's got better, to be honest. To give it some credit, I think it actually has got better. Um, all right. They're, now they're speculating okay. right here because this this may be before. So this has got no spoilers. For anyone who's watching the new season, this is no spoilers. Uh, well, first, he technically didn't die on screen. We just saw an explosion. Yes, he had a brain tumor and he electrocuted himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. It is a funny, like, yeah. Once you, I mean, well, once, maybe one cured the other. Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. Right? Yeah. Um, Imagine if they if came fried, up. Oh man, if they turned out that's how you cure brain tumors. Yeah, I mean, it's a risky procedure, but we've had some success. You know, Michael from Prison Break? Uh, so, <laughs> no, no. It's called the Schofield Technique. Uh, it's entirely plausible the power surge didn't kill him, but just stunned him. It seems he was either discovered by the company or the government or both. He traded his freedom for Sarah and Lincoln's lives. He leaves them in along in return for his cooperation. It looks like Michael has been in Yemen ever since. What we still don't know is why he's still not died from his tumour. Yeah. Maybe he was cured by the company. Who knows? Or why he's in prison. There's a lot of questions. But Michael, the man who planned three great escapes. And we all know this movie is good as eight fugitives and nine great escapes. (laughs) Seemingly can't break free of himself. How has that even happened? We'll soon find out. Because he's in the prison, but we don't know if it's actually him or not at the moment. What do you mean? We don't of course it's him. him. Well, he's under another... Oh, like, everyone thinks he's him. like... All evidence of him has uh, kind of disappeared right, so, from the internet. So the company potentially have uh, done this... Um, faked his death in a way for whatever nefarious reasons. For some sort of nefarious reason that will be revealed. And so they're keeping him in a Gitmo type prison where he's basically... He's been disappeared. Right, but he doesn't even know. But, well, he doesn't. He does or doesn't know that he's Michael Schofield. I, we oh, it's a bit, shit! So it could be yeah. a Winter Soldier type thing. Yeah, we don't know if it's like a Jason Bourne situation or like what's going on here. Like, but they think he's like some like. God, well, I've just seen this film with Matt Damon. It's like James Bond, but with like more cool fight scenes. All right, we got it. You want to do season five, Jason Bourne? Style. The Schofield identity. Schofield we get identity. it, mate. All right, well there you go. That's a that's a podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, fuck. Well, you know, I think we do. I think we ran. I feel like we rounded off every fucking topic we talked about. Yeah. So we did take a, a, a little side check into Mumbai, uh, Mumbai underworld. I was going to tell you this that I went to get my uh, 
Uh, I'm going to Perth to do some shows. Might as well start the plugs and then I can tell you the story anyway. Uh, I'm going to Darwin on Thursday uh, to do shows, uh, to do a show at the mm. Darwin Entertainment Centre. That's almost uh, sold out. So if you're in Darwin and you want to come along to that, uh, to Critically Will, then uh, please come along. Um, uh, thank you to everybody um, who came and saw the show in Melbourne. Uh, it was it was uh, lucky enough to be the People's Choice Award winner, uh, Critically Will, at the Melbourne Comedy Festival uh, this year, which is a, a great honour and I really appreciate everybody who came out and supported the show uh so i have darwin and then i have um uh, perth three shows friday night uh down the road uh from the bulldogs game uh and then two shows on saturday night so uh come out in perth come and see the show and then after that i still have gigs in nelson bay i have uh gigs in belmont uh wagga um, and then six shows at the Montreal Just for Last Festival. That's just been announced. It went on sale yesterday. Turns out they announced Seinfeld was on before they announced that I was on, but also I am on. I'm in much smaller print on the poster, but I am on the poster. <laughs> uh, so what I would say is uh, those shows are probably on sale by the time you're hearing this. If you are going to be in Montreal at the end of July uh, at the Just the Last Festival, I'm doing six shows. That's the longest run of shows I've ever done there. Six shows of Critically Will. So... Uh, please come along and tell your friends if you know anyone who's in Montreal, if you know anyone who's going to be in the area. That's a lot of shows. I've, the most uh, of my own solo show I've ever done, there is one per festival, and uh, they've booked me to do six uh, this time. So It's six times a fugitive. It is six times my previous work. <laughs> uh, so I think that's going to be really fun, but it'd be great if you could come out and see that. So that, that's my plugs. And we also have a Patreon page, which is uh, uh, the way you can help support the show. Uh, enables us to have a producer, enables us to have uh, artists like James Fosdyke do amazing comic strips for us. And uh, the he best does a little three panel uh, Lee comic strip. Just whips it up, only takes him, you know, 15, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Easiest thing you'll ever see. Yeah. And uh, you can see that. A I little s- scribble, a little, a little three scribble. panel scribble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just knocks it out. But uh, you can see that uh, on our Patreon page for as little as a dollar a month. A little as a dollar. A dollar a month. Like One dollar. What's, what's that 30 cents? Uh, so that's what, like three, three a cents month. every day? Three I, cents. I, oh, man, I thought you were just going to go to weekly. And I was like, why are you taking so long to work this out? But then when you went to daily, I was like, oh, that's why. Because <laughs> it's actually quite hard maths. But yeah, sure. That sounds right. A little as, as little as a dollar a month you can support us. Um, you can also donate, donate up to whatever amount you feel comfortable with. $100,000 a month will get you someone murdered oh, professionally. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah we may. We, we've got to discuss uh, Minimum about... 12 months. We'll have to talk to some lawyers, <laughs> lawyers I guess. First. Well, a lawyer. We need to find ourselves a dodgy lawyer. Yeah, that's right. what we do need. We, we need, need a better. We, we need a, we need a better call Saul stuff. Yeah, we need, like a, we need one of those kind of um, uh, uh, under underbelly lawyers. The ones who always like defend colourful identities. Normally they have like loud suits and shit. Yeah, you know what? We'll just look at some recent bikey trial, yeah. and we'll just like call the guy who's in the photo next to the bikies. <laughs> Uh, so that's way, one way you can support the show. And you can also support us on iTunes by uh, uh, rating the show or leaving a comment. There's some kind of algorithm. I don't know how it works. But if you get chatting about us online, it, it works better. For yeah, it our, helps. Our, our iTunes ratings. And our Facebook page. You can go to Facebook, um, check out Tofop there. There's a whole bunch of like photos and links to things. Um, if you're a fan of the show, it's kind of our... It's our default website. We have a website, but we don't direct anyone there because it's under maintenance. We're, no, we're, but we're, when we're we like finally sort out some finances and you know this business starts running once off the profits, we're going to get slicker. Contract killers. Well, yeah, not much slicker probably, no. but slightly slicker. Yeah, lower your expectations. Yes, <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>